So I'm thinking maybe some people think, well, you know, what do you do to give back? Well, I kind of want to share my story of like how and why I ended up in Hong Kong. As you know, I, I grew up in Queens. I grew up in a middle class um, family. I grew up in an all black community. I have one younger sister. My mother and father are the best parents in the world, you know, because they've always provided for me and my sister. They never gave us too much and they never gave us too little. And they always instilled within us um, a sense of knowing who we are. You know, we knew who we were. But growing up in America is kind of weird because there was this TV show. Like all the TV shows back then were so negative towards black people. Like the blacks in the TV show was always in a poor neighborhood. Or there was this white guy who adopted, he was rich, he adopted the two black kids. And, you know, so it was weird, you know, because, you know, probably not just me, but back then as a kid, I was like, wow, being black sucks. I mean, it really sucks. I mean, it was taken as slaves. They were brainwashing. Brainwashing. But uh, sorry to interrupt yeah, you. Yeah, sure. But Uh, you know, like I'm also studying global studies as a minor, mm. as my minor's faculty. Uh, just as you said before that being black sucks. But actually, like if you are to look back at the history, human history, Homo Homo sapiens originated from Africa. That's right. That's that's why it's called motherland. You can find this like what I'm talking. You it's can find fact. it in global studies yeah, book too. Yeah, yeah, Even in political science that's book right, too. That's right. So like when U.S. was trying to like brainwashed by black people. Mm -hmm. But hey, you know why they were doing it? Mm. Mm. When you cannot compete, mm. when you cannot compete, you must do something you to win. You do something to win, yeah. right? Yeah. It's yeah. that simple. I mean, like I said before, basic genetics. Barack Obama's mother is white, right? And Barack Obama's father is Kenyan. Now, when you... Like Mendel, the Mendel experiment, like when you crossbreed plants, the dominant strain is always going to win out. If I was to have like uh, five white wives and I had kids with them, they're not going to be white anymore. And so they know that they're the minority on the earth. Everywhere they go, they're the inferior when it comes to genetics. Everywhere. He goes to wherever country, you know, he knows this. And as you said, so to compete, he's smart. He uses divide and conquer. He uses drugs, alcohol, brainwashing. So even with me, like when I was a kid and I had a pretty stable life, I was like, man, you know, just being black sucks. Like how come, you know, always poor and this and that. <coughs> But listening to my mother talk, you know, listening to her just talk and my father, you know, again, just listening. I said, okay. So growing up in America, growing up in Queens, I always liked to stay to myself. I found that like a lot of my friends, you know, were troublemakers, you know. They, so basketball was like basketball and comic books. That's my childhood, you know. So I would get a ball and I would just shoot by myself. That's why today I play, you know, because of that all time. All by myself. Yeah, all yeah, by yeah, myself, yeah. you know, just it's the same, you know. It's kind of surreal when I'm out there because I... You don't need anyone, right? No. Even in the court, you're playing alone, yeah. all by yourself. You're enjoying, uh, I say, oh, Mr. Kelly is enjoying his side. Yeah, yes, yeah, fine, you know, <laughs> fine, you know, no problem, because this is what I did as a kid. And so by playing, when I was small, I kind of had aspiration to, to join the NBA, But as I was playing competitively with uh, like other kids, I was like, eh, 
I don't like it like that. I just like to play for fun. You know, to play competitively, you got to be kind of ruthless and even that, you know. And this big dream to be an NBA player isn't what it's all cracked up to be because there's only like one in a billion like a Michael Jordan or LeBron. The... The, the, the term, the amount of time that you actually could play in the NBA is a short one, you know, if you're lucky enough. And then many of them end up becoming broke because they misuse their money buying big houses. But anyway, so I grew up playing basketball, right? And my cousins were like my friends. I could go visit them. And my worldview was... Uh, growing because my parents would take us on road trips like we would go to maryland we would go to florida and disneyland they would brought us to the bahamas one summer so by traveling just that little bit i kind of saw that hmm, the world is like bigger and then when i followed the nba i was like huh so i wonder what los angeles is like i wonder what milwaukee is like so like the seeds were there and my father he always had me to read a newspaper so I would always read the sports section, you know. So I got into a habit of reading. I wasn't too good in math. I always liked English, and I always liked history in school. So when I grew up, I've, or, okay, schools in America are um, probably similar like how they are in Nepal. We have uh, public schools, and we have private schools. So uh, in this first grade, first grade to eighth grade. So in first grade, I was in my public school, PS30. And my mother, I don't remember the story, slightly I do, but my mother says she was coming to school to pick me up. And she saw this big circle of kids around, and two kids were fighting. And she was like, oh, God, I hope that's not Yakin in there fighting. And it was. So I was fighting this guy. His name was Jabari, actually. And um, I think he was bullying me. And I hit him. I hit him real hard, you know. And then um, everyone was like, ooh. And then I was standing there with my fist, you know. Maybe like that famous picture of Muhammad Ali. You know the one yeah, you're saying, yeah. like, you know, like, like now, you know. Going <laughs> back. Ready for Yeah. Ready yeah. for action. Ready for action. So then my mother approaches, and she came. And then um, when I seen her, I just started crying, you know. And so then I think my parents, after maybe after that fight, looking back, they say, we got to take him out of that school because they grew up, you know, in public school and they know how it could be. So they put me in a Catholic school. I'm not Catholic. St. Catharines of Siena. It was all, this is another reason why I felt such a closeness to the school here. Because that Catholic school, it was all black. It was no other, maybe a Spanish person, maybe. Uh, One boy, his name was Desi him maybe just desi and that was it It was just all black you know middle class we had to pay tuition we wore uniforms public school uh you could wear whatever you wanted my mother never liked that because she said she grew up poor and um they would make fun of her clothes but she always liked the idea of a school uniform because it's just all the same no one you know if you're rich or poor it doesn't matter you have this uniform so i was in that school and it was a good school it was a good school um it was, uh, again, spiritually it was kind of weird because there was like uh, Father Ernie and Sister Emanuela, and then we would go to their church. I remember it was always cold in that church. I, it, wasn't no, it was nothing like my parents' church. Parents' church, black church with the choir singing and everything there was just kind of weird. But it was disciplined, and, and the type of students that were there, their parents 
were financially a little more stable so they could send us to the, you know, to the right school. So again, throughout that time, comics and basketball, I really loved history. I really loved my English teachers because, um, you know, the essays that I wrote a lot that I learned English wise, who knew that eventually it would become my career. At that time, I didn't know what I wanted to be. Because the way America was, at least for African Americans, you, it's like brainwashing again. It's like either you're going to be an entertainer or an athlete. They don't put like, you know, rocket scientist or something like that. It's just, you know. But luckily I had my parents as role models seeing them go to work every day. And also they were both college graduates. So it was always instilled within me and my sister that eventually you're going to have to go to a college. So eighth grade comes, and I'm excited. This is before the time of the internet and the phones, and I had to choose a secondary school. And I was excited about it for two reasons. One, we would get a thing called a bus pass where you could ride the bus free anywhere in New York. I was excited about that. And two, I wanted to play on the basketball team, you know, and, and, and meet girls, you know, and, you know, <laughs> you know, so then, um, yeah, 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 13, 14, you know, because for eight years, see the same, you know, girls every day, you know, high school, it's like new girls, you know, like in the movies, you know, basketball team. Sense of environment, yeah, some beautiful faces. Yeah, yeah, beautiful faces, playing ball, got the bus pass, you know, so I applied to 10 different secondary schools, high schools, and I didn't get accepted to any of them. And I was really worried about it because I would have to go to, which is called the zone high school, this high school that's closest to where I lived. And the high school that was closest to where I lived had a horrible reputation. It was called Springfield Gardens. It sounds nice, but it wasn't. It was very violent. They had uh, metal detectors like for checking for weapons, you know, to come into school because sometimes people would bring knives. And fortunately, you know, there's been shootings in high schools, you know, so nice. Yeah, like, notice in like, and especially in U.S. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why there's shooting in schools. Yeah, you know, shooting in schools, a lot of fighting. So I'm a peace loving guy, you know, I mean, I didn't want, you know, no trouble, you know. So what I did was I didn't tell my father at first because I was like, oh, he's going to be mad. So I looked up in the book, uh, my friend, he went to a school called Thomas Edison Vocational Technical High School. So I was like, wow, Mark got in, I should be able to get in too. So I, um, I wrote a letter to the dean and then I called the dean and I explained the situation and then the dean, I guess he was impressed. He said, okay, uh, bring your father and come to the school and interview. So then... I tied my tie and I went to my father. I called my father daddy. I was like, daddy, you know, guess what? Um, I didn't get accepted to any schools. He's like, what? What do you mean you didn't get accepted? I said, don't worry, don't worry. But I got this interview to go to Thomas Edison. So I said, oh, okay, okay. So we went there. I got in. So first year, I was in uh, Honors English. I was in Honors English the first year. Went out for the basketball team. And um, I could have played that freshman year, but I think I thought that the coach told me to go home for good. But um, so I never came back, but I made it my sophomore year. Sophomore year I was playing, but my grades weren't that good. You know, I don't know why, you know, it just wasn't good. So I was kicked off the team. My junior year was the year I think that my spirituality grew, age 16, because um, 
I had to go to summer school, but again, I didn't want to tell my parents because my father just bought a new car and we were going to drive down to Florida for vacation. So there was a, a wrestler by the name of Hulk Hogan. And Hulk Hogan would always say, train, say your prayers and eat your vitamins. And I was like, wow, even Hulk Hogan prays? So then I prayed. And then I said to God, I said, you know what, God? I don't want to just always just ask you for stuff when things are bad, right? I want to yeah. have like a, 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 you know, isn't it, you know, always go to God, you know, like, you know, oh, God, I need your help, you know. It's but, like, yeah, God's right. God's too tired, you know, like just asking, like, oh, what are you going to say? Like, what are you saying? I, I can, I can visualize it because there is one one movie you know like people are always asking when yeah. they want it and after they get it they forget the yeah god. they forget god dude. they forget god you know i said i don't want to be like that i don't want to be like you know you know oh if you help me this time you know so i said i want to and, and it happened and it's still happening like you know he's built like this i have a relationship with god you know i have a real some sometimes man I feel so much gratitude towards God. I'm like, I tell people this all the time, like, I just want to call him on the phone. Like, really, like, like, thanks, God, you know, really, like, but we know that, like, by prayer, you're always talking to God, but sometimes I'm just like, I just want to call him. So he helped me through that phase, right? So then I played, you know, so then um, I graduated. So now I was like, okay, so what are you going to do? So uh, my basketball coach, he knew another coach in Watertown, New York. Watertown, New York. New York State is a huge state. And Watertown, New York is about an eight-hour bus ride from where I grew up in Queens. So it was a really good experience. And when I was going up there, my father and I flew up there, you know, by plane is 45 minutes. And when we was heading to the airport, I said to myself, I said, my life is never going to be the same again. I knew at 18 that I had to leave my area. You know, because I just knew that the world was bigger, you know, and I'm glad I did. And so I go up to Watertown, best experience in the world because it was hard. It was very, very hard. It was cold, first of all. It was like when I hear people say Hodonga here in Hong Kong, I'm like, no, nah, this is not cold at all because it was close to the border of Canada. There was a lot of snow and it was the first time that I was really on my own. So I'm up there. It's a community college, a two-year school, a small school, Jefferson Community College, and I'm interacting with more white people now. And to tell you the truth, like, I've never had anything racist happen to me by any white people. I've gotten along with so many white people. In fact, my brother-in-law is white. Yeah, my sister married a white man, Adam. He's a nice man. So... You know, again, if I if, if if I ever sound like I have something negative to say about white people, it's only because of what their ancestors have done. Fact, yeah. not all. You know, a human being is a human being. So I'm up there. I'm interacting with the white people. I'm playing basketball, adjusting to the weather. But then the partying aspect is starting to come in because there's some blacks up there who really wasn't too focused on their schoolwork. And it did affect me because now... I'm having, but also while I was partying, I would have like real good conversations. There was this woman I met up there. Her name was Lisa. She was 10 years older than me. At first, I thought like, yeah, you know, I'm a date did her. You, did, you, did you fell in love with her? Yeah, really? I did. <laughs> but, but, but she, she yeah. ended that real quick. Like she was like, no, no, no. I just want to hang out with you and, and talk. Like oh. I'm not interested in you at so, all. So like did you <laughs> propose her directly or like did you mm. take some time with her? I think directly and quickly, and then I was uh, rebuffed 
quickly and directly. <laughs> but, but it was okay because well, I had... We can a, see, like, very, very charming, very romantic side of yeah, you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so you know, that, that was all, you know, that was done. But the important part was the friendship because mm. uh, of her perspective, since her father was black and her mom was white and she grew up in that town, it was a small town, a military town. And that exposed me to different forms of hip-hop because coming up in New York, New York, we always feel like we're number one in hip-hop, but there's hip-hop from everywhere. So I'm listening, listening, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm forming, forming. And then um, I became less interested in playing basketball in a college because it was, I preferred the conversations about life more so. You know, I enjoyed that. So what happened after that was um, I said, okay, this Watertown is too far. It's too small of a school. It's time for me to transfer. So I studied hard one semester, and I got accepted to the University of Albany, which was three hours away and bigger, and it had dorm, not really nice dorms, and I got in. So now I'm at the University of Albany. It's a nice big school. But again, my mind, because I don't know what I want to be, I'm just kind of just floating around the way many blacks are, many Nepalese are. But luckily, I had my parents as like an anchor. So I, I had the freedom like to float. So I'm floating around trying to figure out, you know, what it is I'm doing with my life, you know, and um, partying, partying again. And this time, the parties were really good. Like uh, it must be around 90s. Yeah, like around then, like around then, it was really good to parties, you know, because live professional rappers would come up and like their parties were good. Jamaican music, uh, the way the Jamaican music was. I liked the Jamaican music because the lights, you ended up dancing with a partner whether you liked it or not. You know what I mean? And the dance, it was really good. By the tone of my voice, it was really a good time, really good time. But I got academically dismissed. Why? Because I wasn't going to class. Like, all I would do, I'd wake up, I'd go down, have breakfast. Uh, after breakfast, maybe go to class. Maybe not. I didn't go. I would just partying, um, drinking, just having fun. But thinking, just, you know, having these philosophical thoughts. So, a moment in time is why I ended up in Hong Kong. One day, I always brought my cousins up to school to see the campus, my sister to see the school, because I, had a, I have a cousin, uh, Eric, and um, he went to uh, Penn State, actually. Penn State University. Yeah. Oh. And I asked him. He ended up becoming an engineer. So I was always asking. I said, why don't you bring me up to the school? You know, I want to you know, see what it's like. He never did. So I said, for me, I'm not going to do that to my cousins. I'm going to at least let them see what the college life is like because it's a lot of fun. But, uh, oh, and to young people out there, you know, who might be going to college, don't make the same mistakes that I did. When you go to college, have fun, but really know that you're there for a reason, you know, to get, don't waste the time, don't waste the money. You know, what I did was a bad move, you know, looking back at it because I didn't know what I wanted to do. And all I wanted to do was just have fun and meet girls and party. And, and drink. That's 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 all I did in college. Like, uh, it's like people in in that age. Mm. Like like right now I'm in that age. Mm. Like we have this uh, natural how to say, it? like we have this idea of 
hanging out with girls, yes. spending some money, yes. partying, yes. chilling. Yes, yes. And like after we cross like uh, around maybe 20, like yeah. after 20 or 22, some people gets off it and gets serious mm -hmm. like me, you know. Yeah, Even like when I was a kid, I used to party a lot. You know, in Nepal, uh, the, there is no rule of law. Mm. Doesn't mm. matter you're 18 or under age. Oh. Just get it, dance. Oh. Oh, that's good. Dance. Wow. Yeah, that's... But, but I didn't drink. Mm. I dance a lot. Like, mm. Especially in in my hometown, uh, how do you say that? Is, uh, there were a lot of clubs. Mm. A lot of clubs, a lot of restaurants. Mm. And we used to hang out like with brothers, with senior brothers. Mm. And sometimes they would ask our IDs and ask if we're underage. Mm. And it's like all connection. Mm, mm, mm. Even if you're underage, you can get in. Mm, 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 <laughs> so that's why I think like from my perspective, like when I when you when you're talking, when you're talking about your, your past days, you know, <laughs> I'm just imagining like thing you really oh, lived a yeah. oh, good, I, I, good, you, you was, really lived a good life. Was, I'm telling you, I'm telling you because it was so dope. I mean, what can I say? Like, you know, so I'm partying, partying. I mean, like, like again, like big acts would come. Like, like the top rap act would be there. Like, come to the campus. And, and again, since, since, how can I put it? Since society didn't place, like, a real importance for, like, blacks to get, like, an education... I'm just floating along, right? But the turning point, there was two turning points in my college time. One day, I woke up in a bathtub, fully clothed, because I was drunk. And um, that bathtub, I guess at that time, seemed like the most suitable place for me to be. So I just laid in the tub, right? So then, um, I don't even know if I was in school. Oh, but that's another story. But... Um, so this guy named Ken Du comes in. He's like, what are you doing in there? I was like, well, you know, this tub felt kind of comfortable. And then I made a change. And then I started going. I mentioned the Nation of Islam before. Yeah. I started going to the Nation of Islam in, um, in Albany. And when I went there, because, you know, to be a member, there's no drinking, there's no smoking, you're disciplined, you're focused on God. And so I liked it. So I kept going back. I changed my diet. I stopped drinking, you know, everything. And then, um, but then there was some, the way that mosque was ran, I didn't like it because it became like, um, like they would do silly things. Like the member, like I say, if they didn't like, they had to sell newspapers. And I guess if a member didn't sell enough newspapers, they were kicked out. So I didn't like that. So then my friend Tim, who also influenced me to go to Nation Islam, he was going to Sunni Islam, you know? So then I started, you know, for attentive purposes, I, I, I became a Muslim at that time. And I liked it, you know, I liked it, I liked it a lot. I liked the idea of praying five times a day. I liked the idea that it was at that time that there wasn't a, a black choir or anything like that, you know, and I liked where that mosque was situated because it was like a tall glass and you could see outside and just the vibe. And then I began reading the Quran. Uh, the Arabic I didn't know, but the translation I knew. And then I was like, wow, I like this Islam. I like it. I, everything with it. I have my, to this day, I have my own prayer rug, you know. Mm -hmm. So I'm very familiar with Islam. I fasted. I did Ramadan. You know, it was, it was really, again. So, so mm, are you still a Muslim now? That's a good question. You know, and that's a good question because, um, you know, my, my background is 
Christianity, but there's there's still some in my own personal life, like the prayers. I still carry out my prayers in, in with Muslim. When I wake up in the morning, I still have that prayer rug. I do my, the Arabic that I know. So I'm like a conglomeration of many things, you know, like in recent years. Well, okay, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm to go back to Albany. So back in Albany, um, this is kind of how I ended up in Hong Kong. My cousin, I brought him up to Albany one day, and um, next door to my dorm was a, a dorm that had, again, girls, like five different girls in there. It was a Jewish girl, a girl from Thailand at the time. I didn't know the difference in, you know, Japan, Korea, Thailand, all, all the same to, to me back then, you know, all the same. You know, I didn't even know Nepal existed. Yeah. The most I knew about Nepal was from two movies. One was Raiders of the Lost Ark. Indiana Jones went to Nepal, Yeah. right? In an Eddie Murphy movie, The Golden Child. That's it. Other than that, I had no clue about Nepal, nothing. Pakistan, you name it. I just knew of China. And that's it. Maybe Japan and Bruce Lee. And that's about it. So... My friend, and I also only exclusively dated black women, right? So my cousin, he started flirting with this girl, American-born Chinese girl named Cindy. And so then I was like, oh, it bothered me. So I said, I think I like Cindy. So then... Um, Sorry to interrupt yeah, you. Yeah, sure. You literally said that you had a cross on your friend, girlfriend. Uh, my cousin, my cousin, oh, yeah. Your cousin, girlfriend. No, no, he wasn't, they weren't boyfriend and girlfriend. Oh. They came, he came to visit. Oh. But he was flirting with her. And oh. then it bothered me. So I said, I think I like her. And so then we started dating, right? So we started dating and um, I liked it because like uh, she was similar to me. Like, you know, same uh, family background. And a lot of the black girls that I had dated before, unfortunately, they didn't have a father in their life. And so they had this very domineering mother. And it kind of messed things up. You know what I mean? So it was like two different worlds. So also around the time when I was in uh, Albany, um, I wasn't too sure what I was going to be. First, I was a business administration major. I didn't like it. and But I always liked history. But at that time, I didn't want to become a teacher or a lawyer. So my degree actually is in geography. And geography, to me, I love it to this day because it's so broad. I mean, there's, um, you name it, there's, there's political geography, there's business geography, now there's this thing called geographic information systems. So I suggested for her to take it as well. She graduated, I didn't. I, I got kicked out and I was just up in Albany living. I had various jobs. I was a security guard. I worked in a lumber yard. I was a janitor at a school. Um, McDonald's, office work, all temp jobs. Uh, I worked in a sneaker store, just many, many different jobs I had, but she graduated. So eventually, you know, we disbanded and I had to go back home. So I went back home, no degree, uh, nothing, right? Except a faith in God and in my new Islam. So I looked, when I got home, I looked in the phone book, because again, no internet, and um, under Muhammad, because I wanted to find where the nearest mosque was. So I went to that mosque, and I just started praying. So I said, okay, I got to get a job, and I got to get back into school. So then what I did was, there was this mall, 
Paramus Mall in New Jersey. Now my parents moved from New York and they, they were in New Jersey at the time, Teaneck, New Jersey, about 10 minutes away from New York City. Really, really nice neighborhood. And um, so I went into the store, big department store, and I prayed. I said, God, I need a job. I said, you know, I know I'm asking you again for stuff, but, you know, I need a job. You know, I'm just, I'm praying now, like, God, help me. So I walk out. And there was a, a sneaker store that was just opening. And, you know, for U.S. dollars, it was low wage. It was like maybe $6 an hour, which is about 48 Hong Kong an hour. So I got the job. I didn't care. So then I'm, I'm working, selling sneakers. Um, I'm rapping again. Back then, there was a, uh, I used to call myself scientific, and I made this because I had to pass the time. So, like, I, I made this rhyme there. It goes, scientific, rehearses his verses without any curses. Only Jews infinite to keep minds at a mental hearses. Only two billions of energy is what the sun disperses upon the planet. Evil can't stand it when it gets righteously reprimanded. Nothing they could do is God's law and how they planned it ever since the beginning. 1,037, one-third is how fast the earth is spinning, filled with billions of men, women, and children living and sinning. On and on and on. So, you know, I'm working at the mall. And then I'm like, God, I need another job. I need two jobs, you know. So then that same department store ended up getting a job there. So I had two jobs. That job paid a little bit more. I think it paid about 10 U.S. dollars, which was, you know, pretty good. So I'm working both jobs, you know. And uh, the mall is a lot of fun to work at because that area in New Jersey, a lot of celebrities come by. But that sneaker store was funny because they was always, someone was always stealing sneakers, Right. So then one day I was working in uh, Nordstrom and I seen my two bosses coming. There was a guy he ran in, you know, he had the sneakers and they was chasing after him. But I kind of had to hide because the bosses would be like, hey, what are you doing working here? Like, like, so I hid and they, they found the sneakers. So I made a good friend. His name was Jimmy. And um, I say, hey, Jimmy, you know, we can't be working these jobs like this forever. We got to go to school. So. There was a community college close by, and um, I said, Jimmy, let's, you know, go to school. He was like, no, nah, he has some excuse, but not me. So I went to this community college, and that's the great thing. Before we did this podcast, you was mentioning about your um, uh, niece, right, you yeah. know, for, for schooling. The great thing about USA is the opportunity to go to a school is, is immense, right, because they have the community colleges, because to get a bachelor's degree, it's like uh, 60 degrees, 60 uh, credits of... Uh, 120 credits. Right, and then 60 liberal, liberal arts, so you could gain that in a community college, right, so halfway done. So what I did was I had still had some credits that I earned from uh, Jefferson Community College, couldn't use anything from Albany, and I went to this other community college in New Jersey, studied hard. I got like lowest grade was a B plus, you know, I just just no partying, no nothing, just studying. So then I applied to Montclair State University in Montclair. I got in. So Montclair, I said, OK, I'm just going to I'm not going to live at the dorm. I'm just going to live with my parents and I'm going to go to school. So I started off good. <laughs> I started off good. But then it happened again. You know, I started, you know, not as much partying, but, you know, just distracted because I didn't know, you know, exactly what it was I wanted to be. But around this time, I met a very good friend. His name is Quaz and a very mature guy. And and um, he was working at the school and uh, him and I became best friends. And, 
you know, we even started rapping together, you know, and then we even made a short film. And again, it was just like a lot of self exploration during that time. Right. So, you know, so then I was influenced by Elijah Muhammad. He had wrote a book called The Fall of America. And after reading the book and after all that I learned about America, I said, you know, I want to find a safe haven for myself and my family. So I became interested with the idea of flying out of America. So one day I was working, ah, what I learned from my former universities was that there's a lot of jobs that you could get on the campus. So I became an IT guy. Now I really didn't have any real computer background. You know, I could, I was just changing the paper in the printer and that's it. Like, you know, if there was a big issue with the computer, I say, like, Hey, I don't know, you know? <laughs> So, so you're just standing the Yeah, just changing papers. the paper, made sure that they signed their name when they came in. That's about it. And my shift was from midnight to like eight. And sometimes I would go to sleep. And I would just, you know, go sleep upstairs. I, I worked with a nice white lady. She would cover for me and I would work. But around that time, I got on um, Yahoo Personals. Again, girls. So I just put a random message to a random girl. I said, hey, look, I'm going to come to... China. The reason why like um, traveling to initially to China was um, appealing to me was because I said, I want to go to a place where the white man isn't in control and running things. I would love to went to Africa, but I said, nah, it's kind of unstable. You know, South America, I really didn't want to go to Europe. So then a girl from Hong Kong responded and uh, she responded and so we started talking back and forth so this is like all new to me like the time difference you know so when it's 12 here you know i was just getting on to my shift there and then she came and visited in america not to see me but she had family and you know other people you know in, in new york in boston so we met looking back she was very cold you know, very, very cold. And, and to this day, I don't know too much about her because she didn't really didn't share too much. But she lived in the mid-levels. At that time, I didn't know what the mid-levels was, you know, in Central. So then um, we corresponded. And then I decided, you know what? I'm going to go to Hong Kong. I'm going to go to Hong Kong. Now, back then, I didn't have a passport. I didn't have a credit card. But I did have a job. I had got a job. And the way I got this next job at campus was because I became very interested in acting and uh, memorizing lines. And there was this speech by this slave master named Willie Lynch. And I memorized it. And, and I don't remember now, but, you know, back then I would always say it. So then um, there were some racial problems at my friend's job on the campus. He said, why don't I come down? So I came down. And I did the speech in front of all of them. And then the, the white lady, Kiki Williams, she started crying. I said, ooh, I think I could get a job here. So I interviewed, and I got an office job there. So my money was good working at that school, so I had enough money to buy a ticket. But I knew that my mother and father wouldn't be too enthusiastic about the idea because you know, they might look at it like as a huge waste of money. Like, you want to go to Hong Kong? Why? Why do you want to? Because in America, like, we feel it's just America. You know, why would you want to leave America, right? So my reasonings for wanting to venture out is because, as I mentioned, I wanted to go somewhere. I wanted to see, like, a, a, an original person controlling, their, like, their own cars, their own this, their own that. So what I did was I bought the ticket, 
I don't even remember how I got the ticket, but I do remember that, um, how did I buy the ticket if I didn't have a credit card? I think I got it from my uncle, because my uncle had a credit card. And I said, Uncle Jimmy, I said, here, here's the money for the ticket. And also, I'm going to need a copy of your credit card for the hotel. I had booked a hotel in North Point. And um, he said, okay. So then eventually, I told my parents, I said, hey, look, I'm, I'm going to Hong Kong. I got the ticket and everything. I'm, I'm going. And my prediction was right. They was like, why do you want to do that for? Like, you know, why you didn't go there? I said, hey, look, you know, I'm going to Hong Kong. You know, what can I say? So then um, that was the first flight. The first flight, it's like 16 hours, right? So it made a stop in Japan. But when I was boarding the flight, there was this black guy that got on the plane. Going, he was going to go to Japan. And he had a big bottle of vodka. I was like, wow, what? How did they let him on with that? You know, he was drinking. I said, no, I don't want none of that. He's drinking all this vodka and everything and, you know, talking about his life in Japan. And actually, I was kind of interested in going to Japan because uh, I had, when I was in Albany, I made a lot of good Japanese friends. And their interest in hip hop was just amazing to me because they knew everything. I mean, everything, everything they knew. So I found that interesting. But I had met the girl from Hong Kong, so I decided, who knows? If I would have met the girl from Japan, I might have ended up going there. You know, who knows? So, sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, sure. But it sounds like mm-hmm. the most important thing that changed your life was girls. Yeah, I believe so. You know, <laughs> yeah, as I reflect on it. Just imagine if there was a girl yeah. from Thailand. Possibly. <laughs> would possibly. Be there. Yeah, possibly. Possibly. Because yeah. non white it's possible. You know, it's really you know, destiny. So you yeah. just so you just came to Hong Kong for that girl. Like did you did you had any cross with her? Oh yeah, yeah. Like the first time I came, um, okay, when I when I first came it was in November. No, it was October 31st. And then when I first arrived, uh, I had on a black leather jacket because it was cold in the USA. So I land and I'm like, oh wow, it's hot. And also, my how foolish I am. I'm thinking like I could use the U.S. dollar that I don't have to exchange it. <laughs> so then um, it's like, no, you got to exchange your money. I said, okay, okay. So then um, octopus card. I didn't know anything about an octopus card, but a guy was nice. He you know let me out. And then I get to when I'm when I first was on the streets of Hong Kong, you could. I fell in love with the city. I came to visit her, but I, I, I fell in love with the city. I said, wow, because everything was so vibrant. The sounds, the lights, even that ticking sound with the, the you know, this, everything, 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 because it's just totally new. It's Asia, my first time ever being in Asia so itself. So Hong Kong is the first Asian yes, city. Yes, definitely. It is, it is, 